Welcome to the 90th edition of the Guna Podcast, recorded on the first Monday evening in November, with the team on a half-decent run of results, as we take a breath, inevitably, for Robin Van Persie to pick up an injury on international duty for Holland. Thanks to our sponsors, Gunashirts.com, the website for all of your Coolest Arsenal t-shirts. I'm your host, David Udo, and still with me on the panel from our previous recorders this evening are Mark Hollington, Mike Francis and Simon Rose, and for this one and only uh, Guna podcast this month, we have the editor, Kevin Witcher. Hello, listeners. <laughs> okay, um, as we're in November... We're going to run through a, a few of the significant events, and in more recent times, memories of this month in Arsenal's history. So, first up, a cheeky question for you. We're recording this just a stone's throw away from the tube station, which used to bear the name of the road on which it is situated, Gillespie Road. However, Herbert Chap- Chapman successfully compla- campaigned to have it renamed in honour of the team. On the 5th of November of which year? Did it officially become Arsenal? Anyone apart from Kevin, Kevin Witcher with an answer? It's got to be, well, 31, something like that, 31st. 29. Mike? 33. Oh, so close the tube name was actually changed in Kevin. It was 1932, and every time a Tottenham <laughs> fan ventures onto the Piccadilly line, and sees the map of that line. Now they're actually gutted to see that <laughs> basically we put one over on them. So uh, well done, her. Well done. Well, while we're in the Chapman era, the Battle of Highbury took place in November of 1934. <laughs> Even though it was an England match, do you still take pride in what happened that day, having read about it in Arsenal's history? Anyone in particular, Simon? Oh, Kevin. Anyone? Well, Sam, do you want to go first? I think you always had pride in Arsenal and the fact that you know, there's a match at Highbury and a lot of Arsenal players were involved. Um, I think we were talking before about big games in, in November and I think one of the things I, I really, really miss Highbury and to think of you know great matches that have happened there, um, it kind of keeps the, keeps the stadium alive. Yeah, I mean, realistically, we're currently in a day when there's only one club that could realistically have seven of its players in the same national team, which depressingly is probably Manchester United. For a well, it depends if you're talking about the England national team. <laughs> you're talking about the French national team, then there was a time when we had a good chance. However, to return to 1934, it's, it's basically, I sometimes very occasionally think, you know, if I was alive in a different era... What games would I have liked to have attended? And I tell you, that's that's the one because basically it was a bloody war, but it was also a game in which an England side made up of seven Arsenal team, uh, seven Arsenal players, beat the reigning World Cup holders. Mm. Now this is obviously long before the era of the European Cup, or as they've now bastardised it, the Champions League. <laughs> but what Real Madrid did in the fifties, I kind of think Arsenal might have done in the 30s 
by basically proving they were the best team in the world. And I think that game, in a way, indicates that uh, you know, Arsenal could have achieved that because the you know the England team, all right, granted with four non-Arsenal players, but they beat the world champions, um, and and I mean basically. Proof that there are at least the match of them. So if you take that down to club level, you know Italy weren't represented by seven players from one of their clubs. You know they had a bit more mix and match. So I, I'm, I'm very proud of what Arsenal achieved. You know, albeit as part of an England team on that day, especially given the nature of the actual match, which was effectively, a, as they say, a battle. You know, there was so many injuries and things going on. Um, so I think it's, it's a wonderful landmark in the club's history. And one I think probably isn't even celebrated enough by the club itself to this day. After that speech there, Kev, that's, that's going to change pretty sharpish. There'll be a bust of <laughs> Bust of a seven players, I reckon. That is a Churchillian type speech, that's what we need. It was that kind of game. Amazing. And the fact that it was at Highbury kind of caps it all, really. You know. And the interesting thing is that it was before the days of floodlights. So it was a midweek afternoon, wow. so he couldn't even get a sellout. You know, the crowd was only about, I don't know, 40,000 or something in the days when Highbury could quite comfortably take 65, 70. So it's a bit weird thinking that era, you didn't play games at night. Bear in mind the game's not going to be sold out, it's midweek, it's the, it's the, the daytime. You're coming up with, with reasons that this was all a big con to get as many people through the, through the gate as quickly as possible. This is purely because I, I, I'm absolutely miserable when it comes to international football, so I do apologise. Moving back to... Uh, tickets for England versus Sweden. Apparently a family four can go for £60. Uh, is that week. right? Yes, because the FA cannot shift those tickets. Oh, my, sweet Moses. Um, well, well, in the other friendly, we're supposed to be playing Spain. I say friendly, it can't be a friendly if we lose 7-0. Mm. Oi, oi, oi. Um, moving on. Indeed. <laughs> Moving on. It's like Monty Python's sketchiest podcast so far. I've done a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving, moving on. To an excuse to plug the current issue of the Guna, can you recall in which infamous November 1983 the ma- uh, match that the mustachioed Ian Allenson made his Arsenal debut, Mike? It would have been. Um, it would have been the Walsall game. I believe the Walsall game, the, the, the famous Walsall game, or the second famous Walsall game. Because there was a famous Walsall game in the thirties, but I don't think it goes quite back that quite that far. <laughs> um, but we lost to them in the League Cup at Highbury two-one, I think, and that was okay. that was his debut. I, I, and, uh, and within, I guess it must have been that far after that, maybe maybe a month, probably less. Terry Neal was sacked. I can't even pass that around the rest of the panel. That is the correct answer. Well, I'm very, that, very impressed. <laughs> right, so <laughs> very impressive. Poor Ian. Uh, yeah, fat bloke with a moustache. Can we? Can we? Do we have enough memories of the game to pin the blame on Mr. Allenson's moustache? <laughs> was there a deflection of his moustache? <laughs> I, I was only I was only three at the time, um, so unfortunately no. And can we raise its relevance to the current issue of the Guna? We can certainly do that, because uh, <laughs> Ian Allenson is one of the featured players on the article Tashes to Tashes, um, uh, which features mustachioed Arsenal players Absolutely. Of, 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 the, of the era. And a, and a particular, and and a particular uh, Arsenal owner. Uh, I, I think it should be raised, because although in the previous podcast Mike 
did give his impressions of the AGM, I happened to be sitting next to him, and one of the first things he said to me was about uh, our owner's hair. (laughs) (laughs) And and I've seen the picture of Stan meeting the players, and it looks even more obvious there. It's a wig. It doth appear so. And frankly, it's the wrong goddamn colour. <laughs> so I don't know who's just the lighting. I don't know who's advising Mr. Cronky, but I mean, I'm, I've got no hair. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of it, but I'm not trying to pretend. And, and sometimes to be a man, you've got to say, okay, it's gone. You know, those days are behind me. This is the reality. And if you don't, sometimes you can end up looking ridiculous. And the ladies still go if you can, don't they? Absolutely right. I've got them queuing <laughs> up around the block. So, <laughs> do it with confidence, Stan. Get rid of it. Show us your real self. Uh, who's your favourite player with a moustache, Mark? Kevin Richardson. Kevin Richardson. Kevin Richardson. Wow. Only because I was watching the, 80, uh, the uh, game against Liverpool on DVD recently, and I forgot, actually, what a great game he had. No, and he was good that season, wasn't he? So, but you yeah. remember cursing him when he went down injured, don't you? Yeah, totally, but look what happened. <laughs> it was all tactics. He was binding his time. <laughs> then the players get their breath back. The funny thing was, is if everyone's got the DVD of the, um, that game, mm. there's a documentary afterwards where a bunch of Arsenal fans, some of which got them to found them, but they're all there speaking with brilliant hindsight, going and of course Richardson was down letting the players get their breath back it was amazing tactic at the time like me you were swearing at TV <laughs> get Richardson get up but yeah Kevin Richardson Kevin Richardson man life um, he had a good couple of good seasons for us yeah did uh, Simon favourite mustachioed Arsenal footballer when I write about uh, John Matthews in the um, in the Arsenal oh, gotcha. issue but um, I liked Alan Sunderland I think the hair and the moustache were a great combo and at the 2005 cup final he was sat near to us and there were two guys behind us that both had Alan Sunderland wigs and moustaches on they had the kind of kit from that, that cup final it was fantastic and at one point we turned around to see them and actually behind them was Alan Sunderland in, in a box <laughs> very very close to us it was almost <laughs> like they were part of the same family did he still have a tash? I'm pretty sure he did but it was much you know it was all kind of grey now yeah but he was he was loving the fact that people were commemorating him at that final of course the, the connection with United being the, the finalist so yeah I think I think he's got he's got a special place fantastic my, my favourite Arsenal player with a moustache of all people is Viv Anderson he looked yeah. great with a tash in fairness as though he just used to mark people saying I pity the fool who try and score headers at the corners um Moving on to some November games, to which we can remember of them, because obviously it's, it's crowned by everyone as being a, an awful month for Arsenal Football Club, and it's in this month we're going to lose the title. Thankfully, we did that in August, <laughs> um, or July from a certain point of view. Um, so, looking at some November guy, games, that we, what, can, what we can remember of them... 2nd of November 1984, finished Manchester United 4, Arsenal 2. It was the Friday night game at Old Trafford and the first Arsenal League game to be televised live. There or thereabouts, apart from the... Oh, no, that was the match of the day game against Liverpool in the 60s. Um, Kev, do you remember anything about that game? It was an era when I completely lost interest in football and I was going to um, music gigs and uh, attempting to... uh, discover the pleasures of the opposite sex and enjoying the student life so uh, I will pass on that I I very rarely watch football between uh, 1982 and 1986 I took a four year hiatus 
Any, anyone, anyone choose Arsenal over Depeche Mode? Anyone, Mike? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal first, always. Um, yeah, no, I remember the game. Um, it was a Friday night. Um, and it was the, uh, as, as you say, it was the first, I believe, it was the first game, league game, televised live. Um, it was on BBC. And I think we took a 2-1 lead. Um, we went 1-0 down, predictably enough. Just like, <laughs> oh, how times haven't changed. Um, and uh, then we recovered to take a 2-1 lead before falling apart in the second half. Um, but, yeah, and, and we then played... Sheffield Wednesday a few weeks later which was also live on TV so oddly we had two in quick succession was this when Fra- it was Frank Stapleton scored against us oh boo and um, was this when it was called the big game presented by Elton Wednesday yeah it would have been yeah it would have been wouldn't it yeah that would have been that era Man alive. Does, does anyone remember other Friday night games? I remember when we beat Leeds 5-0 was that Good Friday? Yeah. No, that, that was, yeah, no, was Liverpool, wasn't it? Was yeah. Liverpool it was an evening game, it was an evening kick-off to Friday, because yeah. we were going to it after work. We played three Friday uh, Friday games that year, because we played Newcastle at the start of the year on a Friday Good night. Um, Newcastle towards the end of the season, when Henri was the best player in the world, and um, yeah, it was, um, yeah, Liverpool on the Good Friday morning. But it was just that season, I don't remember any others. Hmm. No. There's the obvious one, oh, uh, no. 1989, yeah. clearly. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 of course. Dear, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> this is an Arsenal podcast with Arsenal support. Okay, was it into the cure then? He was going through his goth phase. <laughs> it was only back in 92 he got back in love with Arsenal. Uh, next game I've got is one that I remember because I've got the end of season video and it's a video rather than a DVD it's winning 4-1 away at Forest on November the 6th 1988 when Brian Marwood missed a penalty Brian Moore goes absolutely crazy and then we have goals from Alan Smith Steve Bold Tony Adams and Brian Marwood in the end um, after going a goal down and finishing a 4-1 victory also live on a Sunday afternoon on TV Simon does that ring any bells with you? Yeah that's like the kind of time when you felt with every game that we were going to score and we were going to score first and we were going to win um, I seem to remember Bold maybe got like a, a header one of those kind of stooping headers that sometimes people go for um, yeah I mean it's, it's always great when you get a match when if, if it's a game on TV and the commentary team are talking about all sorts of reasons why Arsenal aren't any good and then we win and they haven't got much else to say after that because that wasn't what they'd written down to say mm-hmm. um, it's always lovely to see uh, the media proven wrong in a match but yeah seasons like that when you really feel you can win any game uh, I think you know November's a great time to be to be in good form you know people heading towards Christmas lots of matches if you can be in good form really sets the tone for the season hmm hmm I seem to remember the goals raining in very quickly. I, I don't know, maybe it's my memory, but I thought we scored all of them in the first half. I could be wrong. No, no, because I, I was at that game. It was, it, was a, it was horrible weather. It was, I don't know whether it was raining, but it was Grey. no terrace, but it was fairly yeah. damp. Um, and um, we scored three goals in the second half down our end. Oh, really? Yeah, it was 1 1 at half time. Mm. <laughs> I'm getting old. There was, a, there was one of the. Uh, what, what, what? I think we classed as being a typical Arsenal corner goal, which I don't remember too many of actually, where um, Bowley oh. flicked it on at the near post yes. and uh, Adams came and stooped in and with a header at the back post. It was, it was I, a, I think we only got about three like that. But it was a typical move until Alan Hansen or some such pundit made a feature about it on, on, on the TV and so every <laughs> every opposition player picked that up and thought, oh, we've got to stop that again. Put man at the near post, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I, I do remember when Steve Bold scored, Brian Moore was incredibly surprised. And the scorer is Stephen Bold! <laughs> um, he, he announces. Uh, Simon, you mentioned it's one of those seasons where, where the results are, are stuff like it, everything just adds up. Well, the other one I've got is losing 6 2 at home to Man United in the League Cup on uh, the end of November 1990. Anything that anyone remembers about this particular defeat that season? Lee Sharp. Aside from Lee Sharp, yeah. I mean, okay, it's, well, there's some crazy games where where everything kind of goes in. It's a bit mm. like this season, the game at United, as, you know, as awful as we were, they got, you know, free kicks and, you know, long ranges from Ashley Young. Sometimes you get a game where everything goes in and the result possibly looks a lot worse than the actual, the actual game felt at the time. But, mm. you yeah, know, I mean, 6 2 is obviously is, is a huge defeat. And that was the season, wasn't it, when we won the the league and lost, won, lost one game all almost, season, almost won the FA Cup. So it's like a horrendous defeat to have in what's otherwise such a, an amazing season. But obviously, with so the, other, really the other awful defeat we had that season, in the we cup. only lost three competitive games that season. It's the correct answer. And even losing that game at Chelsea, wasn't it? Like, we were lacking people in defence and Mickey Thomas playing defence that day. Yeah, along those lines. Oh, is that the Chelsea? Well, Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea. We ended up with one recognised central defender or no recognised central defenders. I think Bolton off injured, didn't he? Yeah. Finished after five minutes yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ended up scoring in injury time for Alan Smith. Didn't Might be David Hillier, you know. Possibly so. Yeah. Instead of Thomas as a centre back. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. David Hibbert. Reminds me, make sure I know where my baggage is when I get home. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. uh, November the next year, after winning the uh, winning the the first division, we moved into the European Cup, which England clubs were allowed to do after our ban in Europe was lifted. Um, many thanks to Liverpool fans for that. Um, we lost 3-1 at home to Benfica at the beginning of November in 1991. Their manager, a Sven Juren Eriksson. Um, yeah, it, it was apparently here, according to the scripts I've got, it was widely credited as being the game which persuaded George Graham to adopt a more cautious approach. Colin Pate! Seriously. But, um, which was a shame because people tend to forget that was always regarded as a really bad defeat because like, the goals were raining in we beat Austria in a 6-1 in the first yeah. round didn't we scoring goals for fun but we only lost that game in injury time people seem to forget extra time, extra time yeah. So, yeah, yeah. people seem to forget that you know for that 90 minutes we were the better team throughout that match and it was only in like, you know, extra time they got their two kind of goals if that did change all of Graham's like, philosophy and he got rid of Thomas and Roadcastle what a crying shame that you based it on an extra, you know, extra time. It was. I mean, I mean that side, and you know, George is often is always regarded as being a very defensive coach. But up until that game, and even towards the end of that season, to be fair, mm. we were one of the most attacking sides. We had some great attacking people, and you know, with, with likes of Rowcastle and Wright, you just joined. Even Kevin Campbell was looking good at that point. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was crying shame that as, as Mark says that, that he sort of tore up that that game plan and uh, changed it all the following season it must have been the tipping point in some way maybe he had a particular kind of yeah. vision and thought that vision's got to change I mean like you're saying there I, I think sometimes people look back at the Graham era and say we play boring football but I, I just can't I can't agree with that there's, there's sort of two parts of his era you know when we, we won lots of things and then towards the end when it, it wasn't going so well but you, you can't win league titles and play Boring football. I don't. I don't believe that's possible. You know, generally, if you're going to win titles, you've got to be winning games. To win games, you're scoring goals. Goals are exciting. People want to see goals. You know, the, 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 towards the earlier part of his time, you know, those 
those seasons, sort of 89 ish, say to 92, we played a lot of great football, we scored a lot of, lot of great goals, yeah. and really talented players. It's a shame that maybe after the Benfica, it, maybe it did start to take that sort of turn. We won, you know, obviously a few cups, but in the league, we weren't so great. Yeah, maybe the, the, the slide was, was pretty long from that point. People can, can knock it as much as they want, and yeah, you might have changed his view on the game, but ultimately it took two, maybe three years, and next thing we know, our incredibly weak side has beaten the all-star palm team in the European Cummins Cup. Yeah. Well, that was the legacy of uh, that Benfica game, in a funny kind of way. Um, so, I mean, you could argue George should have kept the creativity, but in fairness to George the way he changed it did it at least bring three further trophies yeah. um, you know obviously the football became rather predictable um, it's ironic that Stefan Schwartz played for that Benfica team and they was then purchased by mm-hmm. George uh, not too long afterwards um, my main memory of that game funny enough is is the I mean people think about early leavers at uh, the current stadium my God, the exodus of people when we went 3-1 down <laughs> in extra time was incredible. It was literally three men and a dog by, <laughs> by, the, whist, by some of the final whistle, except for the Benfica uh, section. Um, Sounds like playing games at the Emirates after 85 minutes. Yeah, well, it was much worse than that. It's, 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 a, it's a memory of how just people just thought, oh, that's it, you know, I'm off, I'm not staying to the end of this. I mean, in fairness, we would have had to score... Uh, three goals or something yeah. in, in ten minutes or whatever it was but uh, I mean it, it's a, it was a tie that could have gone either way and um, I mean I suppose it gave George the excuse to indulge himself in the defence but it didn't work in the league it did actually work in the cups because the one thing about that was players can raise their game a certain amount of times every season to just make sure the opposition don't score and that's what happened but they chose those games as the cup games and uh, gave us some good memories even if overall it's not regarded fondly in the memory for the actual entertainment but it did take a while didn't it for that to happen because as Mike said at the end of that season you had the games like the 7-1 against Sheffield Wednesday when mm. Kevin Campbell had his scintillating 20 minute cameo <laughs> the kind of 4-1 against Palace and the 5-2 against Southampton there was goals galore at the end of that season when we were hurtling up the league and we didn't quite get into the uh, like European place I think we came fourth but it was still a brilliant end of the season with gold raining in and there was that seminal Guna back cover and the list of all our strikers that we had at that point it was a very good caricature I remember it very very vividly now saying we've got Wrighting we've got Smith we've got um, Merson you know and brackets and also Perry Groves and it was still to this day a brilliant back cover check it out back issue fans <laughs> yeah and uh, I mean the other thing is that uh Although he did wait until the end of, of the season before he really sort of changed, the change was in the players he let go and the players he brought in. So it was a personnel thing. He bought personnel for new tactics um, and basically destroyed the midfield, um, which meant they were bypassed. So uh, after that, uh, it was if you're a midfield, look over your head, you know. I think in some respects, you know, what, what he did, Graham, there's a certain element of, of vision there in that Barcelona apart in terms of how they rip teams apart at the moment. And the Champions League, a lot of the time, is not about the best team winning it. It's about knowing how to keep going through. And certain teams have, have won Champions Leagues by 
be in tight. You can you can draw a bunch of games and go through. You could you know, once you get to the knockouts, you could draw every game and still win win the Champions League. So maybe he saw something, Graham, in the future about you don't have to just be wonderful and, and you know spank every team. Keep making sure you get through. Perhaps he didn't have the, the team to achieve it early on, but certain teams have, have won the Champions League without playing wonderful football or being the best team in Europe. Probably the new realisation against the Italian teams you have to play calcio rather than football. Um, very quickly, um, November the 3rd, 1993, Arsenal won 7-0 away to Standard Liège. We know who six of the goal scorers are. Anybody know who the young midfielder scoring his only Arsenal goal was? No. Oh, oh. Oh yeah, yes. there were two midfield players scoring their own <laughs> goals. Anyone scored a belter of a goal, Eddie McGoldrick, because it's, it's fantastic. Huge, it? Yeah, it's phenomenal. Ian Sully? Ian Sully was Ian the Sully. other one. Uh, the 24th of November 1996, Arsene Wenger had only recently arrived, um, maybe a month beforehand. Um, it was one until a relatively late time. peeing down with rain. That's uh, a Wednesday game, yeah? No. no. And, and Tottenham had scored their goal. With something dodgy, I can't remember. Yeah, no, was it was a fry one, wasn't it? It was the five, five injured. One, well, I don't know whether it was one of theirs or one of our players injured. Well, someone was and injured. And we put, we put the ball out for a throw and they took it and played on and scored. Mm. Yeah. So they got their just desserts courtesy of Messrs Adams and Bergkamp. And I was right in line. I was standing oh, yeah. behind where Adams shot from. And the, the way that ball fizzed into the net... And the amount of rain on the net splashed up as the ball hit the net. It was yes. one of the great moments. Burkham's celebration. Oh, yeah. Slide into his nose by the corner yeah. flag. Yeah. Yeah. Days like that, you live for. Perhaps a, a just uh, equal result, certainly in a far bigger game from a certain point of view, it was 9th of November the next year. Uh, we beat Manchester United 3 2, despite going 2 0 up through. Um, Nicholas Anelka's first goal for the club. Patrick Vieira scored a belter from straight from a corner that went in open. Injured himself hand. in the celebration. Mm, yeah, he did. He did, he did the knee slide as well, didn't he? Did. That, and then, then at that point, we conceded two goals. Oh, uh, we conceded two goals, and it was a, a David Platt header. Wonderful yeah, Platty header, and that was a huge, mm. huge game in that title race. Sorry, Mark. Didn't um, Shanghai score for United as well? And he I went mental. He got the equaliser, didn't he? And he went absolutely bonkers. Like Shanghai also did. So when Platy scored that winner, I just looked at Teddy and thought, "That's for <laughs> you, you tosser!" Oh, <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, he was a horrible player, Teddy Sheringham. Um, for more reasons you could possibly imagine. Um, next here, 1999, Lee Dixon his testimonial against Real Madrid. Simon, any idea what happened in that game? I seem to recall we won 3-1. Hey! Well, well done, Simon Rose. Up the arse. <laughs> Phenomenal. Fair play, to, <laughs> fair play to Lee Dixon for taking a punt and paying the money to get decent opposition for a testimonial mm. because that's what testimonials are about. You take a, a chance on the opposition hoping that people will buy tickets and Real Madrid don't come cheap. So, I mean, it was a sellout and the prices were normal prices, I think, so... It was a gamble that paid off, unlike, for example, Tony Adams' first test. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. <laughs> <laughs> and he got along for 5p, but people weren't going to pay to watch that. So, um, uh, I mean, actually, Real Madrid were, uh, I mean, obviously they're what they are now, but even then, they were in the middle of winning three Champions Leagues in five-year periods, so they were pretty useful. Um, couldn't have come cheap. So, mm. uh, well done, Lee Dixon. 2001, um, November the 5th. Uh, as much as anything else um, was a Monday we beat uh, Manchester United 4-0 in the League Cup if, if for nothing else we had two games in two days a game the day before against Charlton during which 
Richard Wright scored known goal and then played again the next night. Um, anyone remember who scored the Arsenal hat trick? Will Tord. Sylvain Will Tord. Um, can you remember which Arsenal player got sent off after coming on as a substitute? Oh. Mm. So Jason Crow, that wasn't that game. No, so that, that was Burning Jason yeah. Crow. John Halls. John Halls, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So apparently, Paul Scholes refused to play for Manchester United. Is that true? Yeah, yeah nice has it. No, yeah. no, it's true. It's, 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 it's actually in his autobiography. I think he played a poor game the week before. Mm. No, he, had, he hadn't played, he'd been left out. Yeah, okay. he'd been left out the previous game and um, he uh, threw his toys out of the pram on that one and did a Tevez. Bloody hell. In the current parlance. And, uh, you can't he, believe an Alex Ferguson player would do that. No, I mean, yeah. he, he, he has said he, um, he did get a bit of the hair dryer and Ferguson fined him a week's wages, but he apologised a week later when he realised he'd been stupid and it all... Can I ask what you're doing reading Paul Scholes' autobiography, Mark? Serialised in one of the papers <laughs> recently. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, I <laughs> Um, last question about this. Anyone remember who the? Uh, who Actually, that's wrong. Sorry, correct that. He, he was he was interviewed after the Tevez incident because ah. he, uh, for his memories of it. Right. Because oh. he refused to play, and that, that was the, the link. Fair mm. uh, Got myself you, out of that one. <laughs> who's your Arsenal squad player slash Tottenham supporter uh, who we went to on being released from Arsenal made his one and only Arsenal first team appearance in that game? David Bentley. No. no. Come and find for Shamrock Rovers. Rohan Ricketts. Nice. Rohan Ricketts is a wow. great answer. That would do. The, the next game has a brilliant personal memory. It's Arsenal winning 5 1 in, in the San Siro against Inter, uh, Internazionale. Um, it was 2 1 to Arsenal. Yeah, 2 1. Um, we're after about 85 minutes and then uh, Henri scored at which point my brother who had a broken leg at the time uh, was absolutely absolutely delirious because Arsenal weren't the favourites that game uh, by any stretch of the imagination uh, and he had uh, a tenner on Arsenal to win 3-1 <laughs> which was um, yeah. and at that point uh, he, he, he's trying to jump around on his broken leg and then at that point he sees Arsenal surge forward again and um, he, he breaks down on his knee and starts hugging the television using the sentence don't humiliate them don't humiliate them <laughs> and when uh, Edu scores the fourth after a cross from Jeremy Aliadier of everyone else he starts punching the TV and crying um, yeah. a game I missed and never saw alive why? Really? Why? Uh, tickets to see David Bowie at Wembley no. Arena. Oh, <laughs> no. I thought we were going to get absolutely hammered. For, you know, well, we thought we might at the very, very well, we best get away from home. Yeah, and it was a really, really like you know great gig. I come out thinking that was brilliant. I don't care if Arsenal have lost. Looked at that result back in those days. It was a text I got from a mate for iPhones or your smartphones. And I think you're winding me up. There's no way that result actually happened. And I went from this massive gig euphoria, seeing a legend of rock music, to being absolutely gutted, like I made the total wrong, wrong choice. And I was entirely devastated on the way home. Oh. So there, there we go. That night, Arsenal let me down by that result. <laughs> the bastards! Oh, why could they have lost? Because we, we, um, that we, we, we'd we'd be three now. We're on the verge of going out, weren't we? The previous game before the Inter Milan, we played. Kiev on the didn't actually call for Ashes a last minute goal in the ninetieth minute to keep our hopes of qualifying alive. Mm. Um, but we, yet yeah, we still had to go to Inter Milan and we go. Well, if we get a draw and this result happens and this result happens, we've still got a chance of qualifying. Not in our wildest dreams did we think we'd walk out of there with a five-one win. <laughs> Uh, Simon, on the 13th of November 2004, we played a game at Spurs um, where Jose Reno afterwards came out and said, "It is, it is crazy. 
you might as well have these teams playing hockey. Can you remember the score? Was this the, the 5-4? It was the 5-4, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, our goals being clawed by uh, Freddie, Patrick V, Henri Pires and Lauren. Was that a penalty? No, no, I don't think it was. I think it was. Was it? I think I think so. No, oh no, I scored a penalty against Tottenham at home that yeah. went straight down the middle. Just where you see you see Teddy Sheringham's reaction where he sees it go straight down the middle and the camera from behind the goal's got him staring at it and when he sees it goes down the middle he turns around and goes, You fucking bastard. <laughs> that 5-4 game, that was, that was I think the first game that I watched in the presence of my oh, well, it wasn't at the game, I was at home watching it on TV, but in the presence of my mother in law. <laughs> yeah, um, I was very restrained for the first five minutes, and um, yeah, then then she sort of left the room and realised that the language might get a little <laughs> fruity, and uh, yeah, God, dear, what a game that was! It was one of those games where it stopped making sense. It's a bit like the Chelsea game recently, um, the five-three. It was just crazy. It didn't make sense um, as a football match because. It was just so topsy-turvy and, and so many goals going in. It just... I couldn't believe it. I mean, in, in the end, funny enough, I actually felt a bit deflated in the end because Spurs had called, scored four goals and they were on the up at the end of the game because they were coming back and they could have got the equaliser. So we almost let them back in and that kind of finished, for me, with a little bit of anti-climax. And you should be wonderful having beaten you, your rivals 5-4 at their place, but... It's just such a weird game. I don't think it makes any sense at all. Here he scored a wonderful goal where the quick feet. On the I think that was a the goal, actually. Yeah. So the fifth one, or fourth, fourth or fifth one, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was just wonderful. It was a joy to see Pires and that sort of thing. Ah, the memories, Bobby. Well, you get some matches where you, you could just play on for hours and there wouldn't be any goals. Yeah, yeah. You get some goes if you know if you play another ten minutes, you get another one. Another few minutes, they get one. It just just carry on. Mm. Um, 2008-2009 we won 2-1 versus Manchester United uh, where it was the first game where we had the poppy um, tattoo uh, sorry stitched into our shirt um, and it absolutely pissed down with rain anybody got any idea who scored our two goals was it Omri and Van Persie 2008-2009 2009 Sammy Nasri is oh. the correct answer Simon absolutely somebody got injured Van Persie am I getting confused what was that game it, well let's it. face it probably if it was in the past Van Good Persie job. probably did get injured no he got, he got injured scoring one against United uh, oh that was um, when Omri scored the year before I find the 2-1 or 2-2 was that we went 1-0 down with about 78 minutes gone right. then um, equalising he lunged himself at one on the far post and broke his toe yeah, and then Henry yeah. scored with a header in the last nine, yeah. nine, nine, so first minute it was yeah. Two yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that's what I meant what, what, what year was that? 2006 yeah, four, I think. Uh, yeah, but too far off you give me our time <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> and our last, our last game to talk about is from last season, uh, where we won 4-2 away at Aston Villa. Uh, someone scored their first goal for the club um, and turned down and um, kissed their badge, that kind of thing. Any Wilshire. ideas? Jackie Wilshere is a great time. I think that's your hat-trick, actually, Simon. Fantastic. Unfortunately, we don't have a match ball. There are some Chinese crackers <laughs> still, <laughs> still crackers. left. Similar. Um, yeah, that that was um, that was one of those games where we went one went two 0 up, conceded a goal, and started bricking it, didn't we? Yes. 
thought he'd get into the pattern where we. It's one where the, like, they both their goals, both the Villa goals were a bit dodgy, if I remember rightly. Uh, yeah. There was one where there was a player standing right in front of whoever we had in oh, goal. Oh, it was Fabianski in goal rather than yeah. in, in an offside position. We wore that to rather odd Bradford City away kit from memory. Um, the the rhubarb and custard yeah. one. I didn't mind the rhubarb and custard one. You didn't mind that? No. But what I find quite disconcerting is the game was at the two, three years ago I have no memory of at all. Mm. The ones from 1991 are clear as crystal. Yes. I think that's the start of Sanity, isn't it? I'm there, mate. I've been there for about ten years, so welcome to the club. <laughs> it's quite, this, this, this is depressing knowing this podcast. <laughs> You've always got the memories, mate. You might, might be 20 years old, but they're still there. I could picture that Ben Fika free one now. I can't remember two years ago. The thing ago. is, you're blotting out the bad times. Now, if you think about people who are younger, this is the stuff that's going to be vivid to them. Yes. <laughs> Good, yeah. time. A life lesson for you all listening out there. A life lesson. <laughs> right, that is your lot for this evening. We'll be back with another set of podcasts in December. But in the meantime, if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, the address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks as ever to our sponsors at gunashirts.com. I'm your host, David Edo, saying goodbye and thank you so very much for listening. la di da di da la di da di dee all good friends and jolly good company. Way.